Heavenly Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to come here and worship. Thank you, Lord, for all of your precious children that have chosen to come to this humble environment. Lord, we know that we are all different, different degrees of faith and relationship with you. And there's lots of pain and lots of hurting. And then there's lots of joy and praise reports. And so, Lord, we just come together as a tapestry, a culmination of all those different hearts and minds and souls that have come to you for your love and your guidance and your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that you've placed upon me and on your precious word to break every yoke, every chain, every bondage. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and for feeding us with the precious manna from heaven today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When I got saved, I wanted to really know God. I wanted to be with God. I wanted him in my life because I knew he was good. I didn't want any more bad. I was so thankful. I let him know that I was all his. And that I I never ever wanted him to leave once I invited him in. I found out through the popular scriptures in Jeremiah 29, starting with verse 11, that he had plans for me. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me hope and a future. And I needed all of that because I had lost it. I'd lost all hope. I'd stopped dreaming. I'd come to the end of myself. And I sought him with all my heart because after that scripture, it continues on to say that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So there was a promise I knew I could lay hold of and I knew I was glad to find out I had a part to play in it. And so I began to seek him. And the closer I got to him, the more I loved him. And now I serve him. I attend his church. I give because, frankly, I've never gotten over getting saved. I recommend the real Jesus, the real Jesus, to everyone who will listen to me. If you want him, if you truly want God, I, I, I encourage you, don't, don't settle for anything less. Don't settle for religion. Don't settle for anything other than the real 
Jesus. Your Father in heaven drew you to himself. You didn't do that. He did it. But now, I recommend that you give him all that you have. Total surrender. Most people... Most people want a relationship with God that's like the world or, or Hollywood or whatever it calls so friends with benefits. They say, oh God, he, he's so controlling. He, he's so demanding. No. He just knows what love is and we don't. He is love. And He's jealous for you. A relationship with God... Just as any godly marriage must be exclusive, devoted, committed, sacred. You can't say, look God, I don't want you to tell me what to do. I don't want you to be in all of my life. I I don't want all my friends to know that we have a relationship just stay off to the side, and then when I need you or want you uh, for my benefit, I'll, I'll bring you in. And then I'll, I'll send you back over uh, to your appropriate place of obscurity over on the, the sidelines. God loves me. God forgives me. Great. God wants exclusive devotion and obedience from me. No. My life. I can't let him tell me what to do. James 4.4, James talking to folks like this, he said, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Ultimately, in the end, folks, you're either a friend of God and an enemy of the world, or you're an enemy of God and a friend of the world. It's your choice. If you're a true friend of God, you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. I never met anybody who really fell for the Lord who didn't say but one thing. I don't know why I waited so long. All the stuff I thought I was going to lose or he was going to keep me from. and you know, Everything I gave him, he gave me something better. Everything I gave up, he didn't withhold anything way better. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, But it is as it is written... What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Now that's pretty awesome. I can imagine some pretty awesome things. And it says you can't even imagine. You can't even imagine the good He has for you. He longs to be close to you. To know you better. For He knows you, but for you to know Him better now. Once you weren't known by God, but now you are. 
There's a campaign going on in the world against Jesus and his followers. There always has been since for 2,000 years. And it's only going to get worse as the time approaches for his return. You can expect that. The world doesn't know you because it didn't know him, is what he said. And if they hate you because of him, you're in good company. And you will be blessed of God. Nobody wants to be hated or looked down on or mocked or ridiculed or any of that nonsense. We want to be loved. We created in God's image and he is loved. So what does that tell you? We need to be loved. But if we seek him with our whole heart, make ourselves available to him, meditate on the word of God, surrender our will to him, his will be done. I like to just go over something I call the old one too. It's just a... It's just a couple of passages of Scripture from Romans 12, 1, 2, and then Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And they kind of complement one another, and I just want to share those with you this morning. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul has just laid out a beautiful portrayal of what Jesus has done for us on our behalf, what we have and who we are now because of him and in him and through him. And Paul is saying because of everything he's done for you and what it means. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual Worship, the King James says, your reasonable sacrifice or service. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Remember, the battlefield is right between your ears. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I suggest to you those are stages of the Christian development and life. Because by renewing your mind through the washing of the water of the word and getting rid of all the junk that's been input through our whole lives and putting the truth of God in there instead, we will begin to be able to discern. We'll have a knowing, an unction from the Holy One about what is really good. Not just what the world says is good. Because most of the time, those differ. And then we'll get to a place where we know what is acceptable with God. And then we'll know the perfect will of God. You can really get to that point where you're so full of the truth that are found in the pages of this book, you can't stand the lie anymore. Amen, or oh me. Remember what we talked about recently about how we change our thoughts? Being the battlefield is between our ears, right? So how do we change those thoughts? You can't just stop thinking about something. You have to replace your thoughts. That's how you change your thought line. You can't just on purpose just say, I'm just going to stop thinking about that. No. 
You're going to be thinking about something. And until you put something else in its place, and I recommend the truth of the Word of God and the promises of God, who He says you are and what He says you have, instead of what the world is trying to talk you into or out of. So to get the world out of your mind, I recommend focusing on Jesus. Amen. He always just turned back to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He's always the solution. He is the total counsel and will and mind of God. Everything found in this Bible is the logos of God, the word of God, the mind and will and plan of God. This is Jesus. He is the beginning and the end. Amen. The Alpha and Omega. So now let's go to Hebrews 1, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It talks about Jesus being the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So again, He's the beginning and the end, even of our faith, which is what we are striving to live a life of faith. My righteous ones shall live by their faith. It's faith that pleases God. Way before Ten Commandments were ever chiseled in stone, which was just a set of laws given to the Hebrews for 1,500 years, it really had nothing to do with you and I, although it is the perfect will and way of God. It shows His holiness, and there's nothing wrong with them, but they were never intended to make you perfect. Yet when most people think of Christianity, they think of those Ten Commandments. Oh, I try to live by the Ten Commandments. Well, a lot of people tried and everybody failed except for Jesus. That's why he pointed out the fact that I'm this holy and you're not. So you better have a Savior who is or you're in trouble. Amen. People think Christianity is about behavior modification. Nothing can be further from the truth. Behavior modification is a byproduct of the relationship. If you get it backwards, you'll always live condemned. You'll always feel unworthy. You'll never you'll run from God every time you make a mistake because you'll think that in order to have a relationship with God, I need to live up to a certain standard. And it's vice versa. It's the, it's the opposite. Come to God. Don't, don't get cleaned up to take the bath. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, when a runner runs a race, he, he doesn't find the heaviest equipment and, and boots he can wear to run a race. He sheds everything he possibly can to be streamlined and uh, aerodynamic and to get rid of everything that weighs anything. And their shoes, they won't hardly even weigh anything anymore. They, he wants to shed all that off so he can run the race swiftly and win. Amen. And that's the example that Paul is using and all the things that 
hinder us. And I, I always say sheep were never meant to carry packs on your backs. But we do. But he says, cast all you care upon me because I, I care for you. That's how we walk in peace and rest. When we trust him with the load that we try to carry. Verse 2, looking to Jesus. He's talking about running this race and laying aside everything that hinders us. And, and then it's basically, here's how you do it. Look to Jesus. Focus on Jesus, the founder and perfecter, or the author and finisher of our faith. He started you out on this journey, and He's going to take you all the way to the end if you let Him. Who for the joy, focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How can He do it? How could the creator of every, everything that we know and see hang there suspended between heaven and earth, being mocked and ridiculed, being beaten and having his beard pulled out and spit on and, and mocked and laughed at and killed and hang there and forgive them that were doing it right there from the cross? How could he do that? Because he looked past all that and he saw you in the future and he says... I'll endure everything I'm going through so that I can get to you. To provide a way for you back to God, back to Him, to be with Him. He wanted a family and He had to, He was the perfect seed that had to be sown to reap a harvest, His church. And if it would have just been you he did it for, he'd do it all over again. Thank God he never has to do it over again. Every time you go and sin again, even after you've come to know the Lord and you screw up, he doesn't go shed a little more blood on the altar in heaven. He did it once and for all. 2,000 years ago, before you ever committed a sin. So yeah, your past, present, and future sins are all forgiven. That vertical beam on that cross, that's, that's been restored. Doesn't mean you don't have to repent when you screw up. Of course you do. You've still got that vertical beam. The, the relationships here in this world, in this life, and you want those things to be right. And besides that, now you're his representative. Yes. And besides that, that's not who you are anymore. Your nature has been changed. Just because you can't see it with your natural senses, you have to believe what the Word says about you and what really happened when you said, Yes, Lord, I, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Something really did happen. We've been talking for several weeks about hearing, learning to have the supernatural hearing, the spiritual hearing. And Jesus would always say, if those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And we, we, we determined that they mostly all had ears. And most of them probably could hear him. So he was talking about 
spiritual hearing. A supernatural gift. And he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I'm believing God personally and for all of you during this season of our lives for greater and greater spiritual sight and hearing. To hear God's voice continually and to to see His will clearly. I want His desires to to be my desires. I, I want to finish the race that He has set before me. I want to at least complete the majority of everything that He has written for me, if not all of it, I want to hear that well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you? Then I have a question for you. Have you made friends with the Holy Spirit? You see, most people think of God the Father as a person. And he is. Most people realize that Jesus is a person. But they have no concept that the Holy Spirit is a person as well. He is the third person of the Godhead. And scripturally and theologically, in fact, he is a person. The Bible describes him to sort of capture his personality, I I would say. Yeah. As a dove. And doves are doves are timid creatures. If you don't respond correctly to their presence then they'll just fly away. And I think the Holy Spirit is similar in His nature. That's a very good depiction of Him. However, it is necessary to say that He doesn't fly away because He's afraid of you, or of anything for that matter. He's God. But... By his nature, he, he, he's holy and humble and quiet and beautiful. Turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Jesus speaking here about the Holy Spirit as a person. And what he can do in our lives. You with me? Yes. John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus speaking here on the uh, the night of the, the Last Supper, the Holy Communion, which we just partook of, the, the night of His betrayal, the, the night before He was crucified. John chapter 16. Verses 12 through 15. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. They didn't have the spiritual hearing, you see. 
when the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Notice... Jesus does everything that language permits to emphasize the personality of the Holy Spirit. The Rhema. He he says when, when He comes. You notice that? In Greek, which don't get me wrong, I don't speak Greek or Hebrew, but I... I study some things out just to see because it's, it's interesting. But in Greek, the normal pronoun to use with the word pneuma, which is the word there for the Spirit, would be it. But Jesus breaks the law of grammar and says, not when it, but when He, the Holy Spirit of truth, comes. You see that? Then... He speaks about the things the Holy Spirit will do. He will report. He will report on what he hears from heaven. So he's going to bring us the latest news from heaven. Remember our discussion about the rhema? The, 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 the spoken word. The now word of God. The daily bread. That gives us instruction and guidance and power. An encouragement for that day. You see, he's the one that brings the news from heaven. The instructions from heaven. The now word of God. And he'll show us what is yet to come. He can unfold the future for us. Isn't that awesome? Then he says, he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. See, all that the Father... Has, he says, is mine. Jesus talking. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So this is amazing. Everything the Father has belongs to Jesus. And everything Jesus has, the Holy Spirit administers. Remember the story I shared. I did a a message on Genesis chapter 24. when, when, uh, When Jacob... Uh, gets a bride for for Isaac, the bride being Rebecca. You remember that? And I told you that the entire chapter, Genesis chapter twenty four, is a beautiful self portrait of the author of this book placed in the Bible there for you. And in that story, he refers to himself only as servant. He went. The servant was sent back to the land from which they came to get a bride. For, for Isaac. Isaac was a picture of Christ. Rebecca, the bride, is you, the church. And Jacob was God the Father, you see. Nevertheless, 
And see, she had to make a choice. He went back and he did a test or two and then he, he blessed her. He adorned her with all the gifts once he realized she was the one that God had sent her to get, that bride of Christ. He adorned her with all these beautiful gifts. And then she had to make the choice to follow him, to bring him into her home and to provide a place for him and welcome him in, you see. And then she had to choose to follow him. Without him, she would have never found her way back across that desert to her destination with her bridegroom. The same with us. The Holy Spirit is the one who administers all that God has. All that Jesus has to us, His heirs. And the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us through this life, across this barren desert wasteland of a world, to our final destination with our heavenly bridegroom. The Holy Spirit, the administrator of the total wealth of the Godhead, And all that the Father has and the Son, they have together. But it's the Holy Spirit who takes from all they have and makes it available to us. So here's the point. You can be a child of God legally, doctrinally, born again, but still live as a very poor Person, or uh, you can live a very inadequate kind of life, even though you are a child of God. You can still lack all of the love and joy and peace experientially, even though it is in your born again spirit. But you can lack all of those things and health for your body and provision for your life. Everything Jesus died on the cross and to provide for you by the grace of God, you can do without unless you relate rightly to the Holy Spirit in your life. That's why it's so important that you recognize Him, not as an it, but as a He. Because He's the administrator of the total wealth of God. And and so, again, you could be a child of God an heir of God, and live like an orphan if you don't know how to relate to Him properly. And I'm just going to point you to another passage of Scripture in John, since we're already there. Turn back to the 14th chapter. It's that same night. He had a lot to say. As you can only imagine, I love John fourteen twenty seven. It's he's talking about all these wonderful things, and then he stops and he gives them something, a personal gift of his own. Peace I give to you, yes. my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, do I give unto you. Why is that so important? We know how the world is. If somebody from the world gives you something, it may or may not still continue to be yours once they get mad at you. <laughs> My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your, here's your part, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's a relationship. If you'll do that, how can you not let your heart be troubled or afraid? By trusting Him. By 
packing off that load onto him, letting him carry it and not pick it back up. By not just being a friend with benefits, you call him in when you need a miracle and then get him out of the way so he doesn't embarrass you in front of your friends or family. John chapter 14, starting at the 15th verse. Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Capital H. So he's talking about a person. This is the Holy Spirit. To be with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth. Capital S again. This is the Holy Spirit. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Two major points. Jesus comes to us in the Holy Spirit. And unless we relate rightly to the Holy Spirit, we will be like orphans, even though we are children of God. Romans chapter 8, verses 13 through 15. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Listen to verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Paul says, for all who are led by the spirit. This is the continual present tense that he's speaking in. So it's like he said, he could have said, all of you who are always being led right, by the Spirit. Are sons of God. The sons of God here implies a level of maturity. A, a grown, mature believer, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're born by the Holy Spirit as babies, as infants. And we give time, we give place for growth. Yeah, absolutely. There's all levels. But just like with a child, we expect them to grow. We expect them to mature. If they don't, something's wrong, you see. To become a mature Son of God, and this this has nothing to do with gender, <laughs> all of us. But a mature child of God, or a grown-up person, <laughs> woman, or son of God, daughter, we have to have a continual, ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Y'all hear me? 
This means daily and continually being led by the Holy Spirit. And now this is a progression. This is something that has to be cultivated. You're not just, nobody, this is not a condemning thing. This is an opportunity. That's how you should see all the things in the new covenant. Through the grace, the lenses of grace and truth. God tells us to do something. See, the correction of God, God disciplines those He he loves, it says in the Bible. Well, some churches out there teaching that He puts sickness on you, He puts poverty on you, He puts divorce on you, all these ugly things to teach you things. That's a... Almost made a preacher cuss. That's a lie. That's a lie of the devil right there. This is how God corrects us. He enforced it on you. You chose to come here and hear the Word of God. And believe me, you are hearing the Word of God. I don't change it to, to suit my needs or to make sure no one's offended. Because I trust God. He says, who am I to, to, to judge for you what you will accept or not? That's up to you and Him. Amen. He's trying to help us with His truth. Not hurt us in any way. He loves us. There, there are lots of people in the church at large around the world, and especially in this nation, who, who, who they, they have had an experience with God. They have come into that born-again experience. They are now infants, or, or children of God. But they never have achieved that, that place of maturity where... They are daily and continually being led by the Spirit of God. We have to cultivate this relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who is here in this life to be our guide. He's the administrator of all the riches of God. He's the one who has been sent here to impart everything that... We have in our inheritance as children of God. And I'll make one last point. We have to be respectful and sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, verses 30 and 31, Paul says this perfectly. He says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That means meanness. These are the things that will frighten this beautiful sensitive dove away. And they're listed there for you. So so rid yourself of these things. Just do it on purpose. Amen. Amen. You're going to slip up. I do. But I don't run from God anymore when I slip up. Because I know I'm already forgiven. I'm already loved of God. I'm already a child of God. I'm a son of God. Amen. Amen. 
and I still mess up. And I run right into the throne room of grace. Daddy, I'm, I dropped the ball right there. I'm sorry. Let's go. That's what he says. All right, son, let's, let's go. That's good. That's good. Don't mention it again. You're good. That's how cool he is. That's the real Jesus. Father, thank you for this day and for your precious word. Thank you for helping us to know you as a person, Holy Spirit. Thank you for being in our lives. And thank you, Father, for for teaching us how to be friends with the Holy Spirit. And help us to grow in this so that we can... Come to know you better, Holy Spirit. You are the paraclete, the one that comes alongside of us and takes a hold together with all of the things and challenges in front of us and leads us and guides us through this life and provides us with the power and provision of God that Jesus has provided through the atonement on the cross. So we want to know you better. We love you, Father. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. You are the God in whom we trust. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.